0: She was like, I'm going to join the military. And I was like, are you sure? Yeah. Like, okay. I wasn't going to talk her out of it. I just wow. simply, I simply just said, look, I'm like, here's my concerns. Obviously being your husband and I know we're not quote unquote at war, but things happen. So mm-hmm. I can be worried for you. And that's where most of my concern will be. Is that, you know, worried for your safety. I know, I know what kind of independent and strong minded person she is. She went to NYU. Um, she has her master's uh, from there. So like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, uh, I know what sort of level, I, I know what kind of person she is. And so mm-hmm. when she was just like, all right, you're going to do this. And I'm just like, okay, same, same sort of reaction I had when my sister told me that too. I was like, okay, you have your reasons. I will support you I'm not going to be the one to be like, oh no you shouldn't do that oh my God it's terrible mm-hmm. I would do this sort of thing like no like this is yes it's my decision as much as yours but it really comes down to him like it's something you want to do and I would not be a good partner if I hindered that in any mm-hmm.
1: way hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience, and we challenge ourselves and others to think, question, and synthesize wherever their curiosity takes them. In today's episode, we are joined by Brian Kluska. Brian grew up in New Jersey and he received his BA in Mass Media and Communications from Mount St. Mary's College. Brian has over 10 years of experience with videography and video editing. In this conversation, we are very biographical. We cover a lot of Brian's background because our background as friends is in a very small lens. I basically had our entire relationship up until this point is through digital media. And by digital media, I mean playing video games and using online voice chat services since I was probably in my early 20s. Um, We met through World of Warcraft, and since then, we have spent many, many hours together playing video games. But as we do get into this toward the end, we really foster a friendship that is not unlike any other friendship that you would have with friends or people at like a local bowling league or a local sport club. Um, It's one of the reasons I really enjoy this podcast, and it's one of the reasons that I think social media as itself can actually be a beneficial tool when used correctly It's why i push so hard against platforms that do it incorrectly where they don't help foster deep meaningful relationships and to kind of back up a little bit some of the highlights in this conversation is we talk about brian's fascination with film and media we talk about his challenging of assumptions about what to pursue in your life when you've never asked yourself what is fulfilling to you and talking about how he's married his high school sweetheart and how even though he's known her for so long that she had committed to joining the military and then his commitment to her to not only support her decision but to adapt his own life to that decision and then lastly like I just mentioned is fostering meaningful relationships through the internet and how being physically present is not a requirement for friendship um This podcast is awesome, and I learned a lot about Brian here that I don't otherwise get a chance to know about him unless I actually spent time in person with him. And so with that, everyone, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with my friend Brian Kluska. Welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity, and as always, I'm Eric Wenzel, and today we're joined by Brian Kluska. And with that, Brian, please just give a little bit about your, I guess, professional background, whatever you did for school or anything like that, because our relationship, as we both know, is more like, I guess, happen chance than anything else. But, you know, I don't really know too much about the story beyond where we met in in this with the gaming part of it. So, yeah.
0: So, yeah, uh, as Wenzel said, my name is Brian Kluska. Uh, Jersey-born. I grew up there for uh, all of my life, actually. Uh, Only recently did I start uh, moving around the United States, which we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But um, Jersey-born, stayed local. I went to between basically the Pennsylvania Jersey border was where I had school. It's a little bit on the nicer side of Jersey, okay. not the dirty Jersey that uh, most people are <laughs> accustomed to hearing. You know, the armpit of New York, that whole nine yards. No, okay. I had, uh, I had cows. I had sleighs. I did a lot of outdoor type stuff okay. while still maintaining some dirty roots. But um, so
1: more country. early on in,
0: yeah, definitely country esque. So I had an interesting upbringing as far as what uh, my experience was. Uh, in the rural section of New Jersey. But um, early on, uh, it was very interesting that I could uh, trace back to when I started really getting into media uh, as just a personal and then professional background. Uh, I started about uh, middle school aged, uh, 10, 12, around there. Um, One of my basically my best friend from elementary school because by default as it is back in the day you whoever lived closest to you and knew you from when you were young was your best friend and uh (laughs) that's just kind of how it works best friends by proximity um, (laughs) yep by proximity he was uh if I can remember correctly did the block around it was about three quarters of a mile I could cut across people's yards it took about a half mile so it's only a couple minutes but uh it was a lot of fun it had you know a lot of good times when we were real little kids, just running around outside. But um, I can trace back uh, the one of the first times was when we were hanging out, and it was around the time of Team America: World Police.
1: Oh wow! Uh, so that can
0: really that can really kind of date the time frame there. That would have been like two thousand and.
1: 2003. Three or so? Yeah.
0: I was like, I could have guessed early two it it thousands. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: it would have been after 9 11 because there was yeah. a lot of yep, a lot of um, post-9-11 tension had kind of worn off with mm-hmm. their obviously Matt Stone and Trey Parker were able to take that rah-rah uh, US. Convince somebody bill.
1: to make that movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we uh we incorporated you know the way that their just tongue-in-cheek style was, and we decided, you know. We thought we were funny, so we took a, a VHS recorder camera and literally did line a linear-style editing. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, now you're used to non-linear editing where you could literally take stuff, chop it up, slice swass it around, everything mm, else. Okay. So in original film, you had to edit it linearly. You had to put the first piece in first, let it roll itself out across the film, then cut it, and then put in the next section, then cut, and then cut, and then cut. So that's why original ones, you know were longer shots, longer scenes that were you know a couple seconds and mm-hmm. now we're getting to less average less than I want to say. I think the average was last time I looked was less than three seconds, but wow um, it's uh, it's definitely shortened. Um, I'm sure you can find some informational graphics media wise, mm-hmm. um, but cuts have become a lot faster because digitally it's so much easier to do so. yeah so we took. The VHS and we would play it, record the scene, record a couple different ideas in a row, and then kind of watch what we did. And then we go, okay, well, that one that was the good take. So we would kind of have to plan it all out linearly. So obviously, as the VHS itself ran, the story had to progress, you know, in order. Mm-hmm. So we would have to be like, all right, here's scene one, here's scene two, how does this work? So using VHS copy and dubbing to another vhs we were able to kind crazy of, <laughs> kind of create and edit but not really yeah so should um, we explain
1: what vhs is for those who are not <laughs> old enough to know what VHS? i because mean, i like, can I'm, so i'm kind of on the edge of the vhs like i grew up with those or at least i remember them but for people who are you know 10 years younger than me are maybe not gonna know what that is <laughs> weird as so, that sounds um,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, people have the concept of film. Yeah. So when film, you know, was started in the early 1900s, 1920s, you know, the silent film era, mm-hmm. it progressed as film. It, it was 9 millimeter film, really just continued going on until, you know, the 50s or so and 60s when the, the film itself started to change. Home, home movies were done on little itty bitty 16mm uh, yep. film. And you can find all sorts of photos and stuff. And there's companies out there that make uh, some money. In fact, one I used to work for um, transferring all these old home movies onto digital formats. Oh, cool. So it went from went from film, uh, then eventually, I believe one of the widespread ones first would have been... VHS and Betamax, I'm trying to think Jump. I think it did just jump right to that
1: Yeah, I don't think there was an intermediary Betamax was supposed to take over but it didn't
0: Yeah, which we can talk about other stuff as well but um, the invention and uh, widespread use of any sort of technology is what enables it to thrive as a format, so with video uh, its next form was uh, the development of, of magnetic tape Yes. So basically the film would have little bits of uh, metallic filaments and become magnetized, and you could uh, use that to store the video and the laser discs and everything else that would be able to play, so on and so forth. It was, um, I forget exactly what video VHS stood for, but it was like actually don't Video Home um, Something. I can't remember. I mean, obviously S is something, but, you know. But it stood for an acronym that allowed it to... Exist in the video form. So that was the first ones. You see these big, massive boombox shoulder mounted cameras that had a battery Mm -hmm. pack that was like the size of your leg. It was, it slowly evolved into a more accessible home recording use from the early 70s to the 80s. So by the time the 80s rolled around, it was very prevalent and very common for people to have a VHS player because they could record um, through a camera or just off of television it just it was it was the media up until the late 90s or so
1: yeah 2000s right at the border of 2000s around
0: yeah late 90s you started to see a little bit of the digital stuff come through some dv tapes um mp3 players would probably yeah you started to see that yeah there was those were the definitely big ones you know when ipod (laughs) (laughs) made Apple Apple did exist before what you see today as iPhones, but yeah. the iPod and before that, it's a, you know its original Macs, etc. There was actually um, a
1: refresh of the iPod Touch 2019. It's still you can still buy it. It's buried on the website, but you can still buy one. It's crazy. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's still out there, um, but. Uh, The digital format, so it went from a physical format, obviously dealing with chemicals and film, to Mm -hmm. a slightly digital with VHS, to an even more digital with digital video, and then what we have now with DVDs, and then Mm -hmm. streaming, and so on. Yeah. So, all of that to explain that basically we're in the fledgling of just a little bit more than film, Mm -hmm. not quite easy of digital, but we're able to create some semblance of a... Uh, story. What was so, it? What
1: was it about film as a medium for you guys? Was it just that it was just interesting, and you're just like, we have the tech somehow, and we're just gonna see what we can do with it?
0: So it was more or less just the <laughs> the teenage hubris, would say, <laughs> is that we had access to the means to record ourselves. We thought we were funny. Other people kind of laughed at us uh, through jokes and the way we would act. And we decided, you know what? We we're good at doing impressions. We're good at just doing things. So i I came up with the means to do so. I we've had some semblance of a very basic idea. A few years later, we did go to a digital video esque one and and go on from there. But yeah, that that first few takes we ended up doing <laughs> <laughs> somehow, if I remember correctly, it was an hour and like. Four minutes wow. of this basically was Team America style PG-13 wannabe R throwing in curse words, you know, <laughs> young teenager stuff that we had that, that literally like three of us would uh, play on multiple different characters. We tried to have some semblance of a costume change, some semblance of continuity, but yeah. not really. Um, I didn't understand anything about how to properly shoot stuff. I believed I did. Uh, Everything was done in in medium to medium wides. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We kind of had some POV shots in there. Uh, It was was unique, to say the least. It sounds like YouTube before YouTube was a thing almost. (laughs) It was. I believe I have a copy of it somewhere. <laughs> That's it, awesome uh, so we, we definitely stole some some obvious lines from team america some styles mm-hmm. um also reverse blue was just coming out with the early oh, age of machinima, okay. uh so that was another kind of key influencer to us uh as far as yeah. you know things just the idea the idea that that could be made from a different I mean, type red of
1: versus media. blue mm-hmm. is like the the beginning of uh like streaming was, like twitch almost
0: It pretty much was. I mean, it's not exactly
1: because it's more of like storytelling. But yeah,
0: it was pretty much the beginning. I mean, obviously the channel on YouTube, Machinima, still exists. Um, I don't know if Rooster's Teeth itself is directly involved with them. I know they've got their own production company. I actually tried to apply to them for a job when I was down in Texas, but Mm -hmm. sadly didn't get that. But um, as a as an influence, you know, the combination basically it was it was this cop drama <laughs> that was i could say it very loosely drama uh, yeah. it was this kind of buddy cop meets team america slash bad jokes of ideas of reverse blue thrown in there and we called it black and blue
1: okay.
0: um it was a uh, it was officer black and officer blue <laughs> <laughs> um that dealt with what was it i think it was like they were officers, but somehow there were terrorists in this local little town or whatever, and it just was like they didn't want to deal with it because the terrorists went around and like murdered some people. And so like it was this <laughs> man, convoluted, that's, I- man, that's convoluted, convoluted idea so that, that somehow local cops were dealing with terrorist murders. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was definitely It made sense when you just were half-baked. doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was definitely teenagers who had no idea what they were doing and had no idea how to craft a story, but still thought they could. So we did that the first time, <laughs> stole some jokes, definitely. We tried to shoot some stuff in, like, night vision, I remember. Oh my really, god,
1: I can't even imagine uh, trying to attempt that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was just, it was weird. So eventually, we just kind of kept filming a bunch of other stuff and went back to it. How old were you at this later. time? Probably. I like, want to say I was, like, 12. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. Let's see, like because that's... Pretty much, actually, it would have been like thirteen or fourteen. Actually, now that I'm thinking about like the time frame for my age, but um, yeah, early early teenager nonsense, and then like a year or two later, um, it would have been like 2004, 2005, before I was done with high school. I Mm -hmm. I had a uh, English class, as you you know, everyone has their your your math, science, English, blah 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 blah. blah. So this the junior year slash senior year of high school allowed us to potentially expand and have some semblance of a choice in this little rural town high school um, of how you wanted to progress your learning. And one of the options was filming the novel. We would, uh, it was like a, a two semester because it alternated between different things. So, so two semesters of one and the other half of the like class got the other one. So we didn't read the exact same stuff. But basically, if I remember correctly, my class read mystic River shining um, and I want to say two other books but the idea was you would read a novel and then you would watch the movie or vice versa to try to prove the point of for those who have read the book versus seeing the movie type deal and you know how it would combine and obviously these are books and movies that are a little bit um, a little bit more in-depth uh, rather than just, say, your Harry Potters or any of the Marvel things that are, are you know a little bit more long-form conversion as opposed to a short-form conversion. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, we did delve into one, um, the Tom Hanks one. It's actually based on a graphic novel. The kid, he's like a 1930s uh, road to perdition. I want to say it's not road to, I think it's road to perdition. Um, surprisingly, it was actually a graphic novel. Not a, a book, um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the Tom Hanks one. I can actually kind of do a little Google search on <laughs> this, but regardless, yeah, this um, it was an an interesting idea that we would able to do that, and mm-hmm. part of the um, ending of the class was to understand the media aspect, and we would film some little two minute thing. So I inevitably knew, quote-unquote, <laughs> how to work the software. that mm-hmm. was very basic at the time. I was part of Oh, yeah, because this would be
1: pre-Adobe, right? Or maybe early It was. On.
0: It would have... Uh, we didn't have Adobe there. It did exist at the time. Uh, we had... What did we have? We had some semblance of a TV studio. Not really, but um, it, was, it was some sort of program that I can't remember right now, but I had messed with it already, so I knew... What it was mm-hmm. like Nero was a burning software, and I cannot remember what the uh, other one was called, but we were able to to utilize it for some semblance of digital video marketing, etc so it. turned out that I ended up uh, knowing some stuff the teacher kind of saw that and he kind of assigned me he was just like, okay, if anybody has any uh, questions, just go see Uncle Brian.
1: Uncle he, uh, Brian!
0: Oh my God! <laughs> so early on in my uh, in my career, I was already being given a, <laughs>
1: a father, paternal a paternal figure. <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. We'll probably get into so, that later, but I'll leave it yeah. for now.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, just my my dr- personal drive for knowledge and pre know how kind of allowed me to coach and. Just help people in general. Mm-hmm. So my my time in that class slowly opened the door a bit more to my digital aspects. Now here's where the the funny little curveball comes in. My parents decided uh, at a young age, and I say decided purposefully, that um, that I was going to be a, a doctor or a lawyer oh, no. or, or something. <laughs> so I actually like when I was like four or five years old, I actually memorized all of the medical names for all the bones in the body. Holy crap! Uh, yeah, it was a little crazy. Um, can't remember now, but obviously my wife is uh, an extra technician, which I can get to later. But mm-hmm. um, there were some things where she's learning some stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, you're, you're, you know, you're mandible, you're maxible or your max- does, maxilla. Does it just uh, kind of pop uh, in your brain
1: when you I'm see like, it oh, yeah, you're, while?
0: You're, you're phalanges. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, how do you know this? I'm like, I learned them when I was a little. I'm like, I don't know all of them, but I know... Most of them, like so some of those than the average than the average person. I yeah, know it's weird.
1: Like your parents so, took it to a whole other level. Like, you know, there's normally yeah. that like unspoken thing. Like, yeah, my mom and dad want me to be something, you know, so they, they kind of just prod you a little bit, but not so far as to make you memorize things at four and five.
0: <laughs> maybe a little bit. old. Maybe it was like six. Yeah. But I definitely remember. It's i remember still young. Early. Early kindergarten, first and second grade, somewhere in there I had the nickname of Bone Man because it was public knowledge that I knew them. Like it Crazy. Was, yeah. Wow. So, so they decided that I was going to be a lawyer, a doctor or something. And so in my um, college search, I was more concerned with looking for some semblance of a pre-law, which for someone who knew so much was so ignorant about a lot of things. Um, learning mm-hmm. that... Pre-law was not, quote unquote, necessary for law school. Um, at the time, internet really was just starting to be a beacon of information. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, uh, that, that sense of, of knowing didn't really come to me. Um, so I chose a school. Uh, chose Mount St. Mary College of uh, Newburgh, New York. Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly chose that because of the ones that I had applied to, uh, the ones that chose me. that was one of the ones that had given me a scholarship based on my SAT score. Now, I don't know what it was at the time. Actually, I knew what it was at the time because they were just trying to do the whole three-parter. I don't know if that's still active or not. Um, When SATs first started, obviously, it was max of 1600. They then added the essay form. I don't know if they've still kind of kept it that way. I
1: don't remember... I never had to take the SAT because I'm in the Midwest, unless I wanted to go to school out there. So yeah, I'm not 100% sure how that system 100% works. I knew the 1600, but I'm not.
0: Right. So 1600 being the perfect score of the Mm -hmm. quote unquote traditional SATs. Uh, I had a 1280, which is on the on the higher side. Yeah. Um, It's above average. 15. Yeah. 15 is like you're you're super duper smart. 1400 is like you definitely know what you're doing. Thirteens are also really solid, and then the so basically twelves and thirteens are like you are smart. You kind of doing elevens and like low elevens to high a thousand is like quote unquote average. Got it. And then below a thousand to like eight hundred is like well you know you tried. You're not completely dumb, but you're not you know on the mm-hmm. upper end. So I believe they put me at like we'll say eighty plus percent or something like that, or vice versa or whatever. So mm-hmm. definitely on the higher end of things that most merit based. Oh, there we go. Most merit-based scholarships started at uh twelve fifty. Uh it. The next the next jump I think was thirteen fifty, where they gave you a good portion. Mm-hmm. I I my scholarship covered twenty five percent of what my tuition would have been. So wow, that's kind of so where you can good. see that. So there, I was like, hey, that's a, that's a much easier way to put that. Twenty five percent of uh, of the year of your stuff would be covered. So that there were other ones that gave me a little bit less, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be smart with the money. So mm-hmm. at least had that going for me. So I chose, Mercy Mary. I went there for, um, I ended up graduating from there, but, uh, in the time I started there, my first semester, you fill out, you take your basic Englishes and whatnot to get free credits and, you know, starter freshman classes and whatnot mm-hmm. before you can actually get into your degree things, unless you're like really aggro about it. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, you, you don't normally pick your major right away, right? It's not Correct. Like sophomore you, year. That right. You-,
0: you typically only need 30 credits for a major. And then, you know, the 60 or 120 or whatever of, you know, of the total that you need, you only need 25%, quote unquote, to be your major. So you usually have some time uh, spread out. But um, I had taken one of my free electives was television production. Um, There's
1: a common theme here.
0: Yes. (laughs) I was like, oh, I literally just did that. I was part of my television, you know, crew, blah, 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 blah. Um, So I went there and... Picked up the lingo, you know. This is think, you know. CBS, Fox, any of those live TV production things. You know, we're gone in five, four, and then counts down to three, two, one. You know, silently and you know hand signals and you know what set is and how the cables work and the, some of the more high tech uh, level of broadcast. Okay, so okay. getting I more quickly studio learned,
1: level,
0: yeah, started. more studio level and more uh, backend non-linear editing. And I was like, ooh, this is I'm like I kind of know some of this stuff. So much so that um, the second semester rolled around or the first semester, I forget where it was, but at some point that there, I was, I was the freshman. There were mostly sophomores and juniors in that class uh, as per the media degree. Um, The professor who was the advisor came to me and said, so wait, I don't have you on my list of doing advising. It's like, when's, when, when do you want to schedule that? And I just kind of looked at him and I'm like, well, you're not, I'm like, reasons because you're not my advisor. He goes, "What? I'm like I'm technically pre-law." He goes, "What?" Like, yeah. He goes, "But He's like, you're, "You you know everything." Like, "What?" That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, "Well, uh, professor, you know, it's just that was I you're took like, this as a like as a free elective."
1: Mom and dad says I'm I'm something else.
0: So, you know, I still had that in my mind and wow. that was where yeah, here's where this comes in. Is that I went home that winter and talked to my then girlfriend, who would soon, eventually, be wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was just like, "Yeah, well, I, wait, you, you still actually stuck with that? Why didn't you? Why aren't you doing that?" And she started to, like, "Look, you had all this fun when you were younger. Look, you did all this in high school. Like, literally, mm-hmm. it was like, look, you've been doing this for basically five years at this point." studo, you know, seriously. And I'm like, well, I never really thought it'd be a career. I'm like, I thought, you know, I just do it for fun and then make money
1: <laughs> <laughs> as a lawyer.
0: Cause you know, that's what you got to do.
1: Cause that's what people do. You, you don't, you don't follow your dreams. Right. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> like, right. <laughs> so she basically was like, stop being an idiot, and <laughs> change your major and sign up for more classes. And I went, okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just for the so, first time ever someone questioned why you should why you're doing what you're doing
0: yeah uh, correct which would get into a whole lot of other stuff on the personal <laughs> level uh but uh I was yeah gonna say, how does
1: your parent how did your parents take that
0: uh that was the start to a bit of a rocky relationship with my parents mm-hmm. um They've slowly come around to that. What are their backgrounds,
1: just out for context? Oh
0: yeah, so um, yeah, so my parents were. um, Let's see, they were born in the early '60s. -hmm. Uh, They met. uh, My father's older by three years, and so he, weirdly enough, went to high school in in you know in a section of Jersey, and my mother went to that same high school, but she was a junior no she was sorry she was a freshman he was a senior and my mother knew my father through her sister who was in the same grade okay I believe I was told at some point uh, my aunt was like kind of had a crush on him like try to do parties and things that nature because apparently my dad was kind of cool I still don't see it but you know Um, (laughs) he's your dad he's not supposed to be cool in your eyes (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've slowly heard a few stories of shenanigans he's done when he was older. So I could kind of see that in the early eighties, him being that. Um, But uh, eventually at some point, my mother was just kind of sticking around and they kind of started dating. She took him back to her junior senior prom combo, whatever. Mm -hmm. So basically she ended up dating for quite some time for a while with him and they ended up getting married um and had me uh but his her background she was uh, a mother early on uh, never really went to school for anything she did eventually do like her own uh, kind of landscaping business for a few years and I did help with that when i was younger um but my father was he worked at a uh, a local test lab okay. um testing all sorts of chemicals and stuff when uh, he was younger and that slowly evolved into, hey, we've got it. We need, you know, more of a foreman for the day, and then, hey, there's this kind of spill relatively close to here. They kind of need an on-site, quote unquote, exit, you know, expert to tell them how to, you know, deal with, you know, sulfuric acid that's spilling somewhere. You know, something mm-hmm. along those lines. And so he slowly uh, went from just a lab worker to more of a foreman to on-site to then being hired by a company um, uh, that did emergency response. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember back in the, I believe it was 2002 era, but the, uh, anthrax scares, the first yeah, set of anthrax okay. scares. Um, I remember him dropping me off at school one day and being and him being like, yep, I got to catch a plane. They just called me and I got to go to a site and go check some mail. Cause you know, they found a mysterious white powder. Wow. So, um, he developed more and more of that uh, as he went along, more on site than greater managerial stuff. And, you know, had bounced between a couple companies uh, later on in life that he was, you know, uh, managed contracts for like the Walmarts, the Targets, the CVSs mm-hmm. across the US of so just like, here's your standards. Like, all those people, like for those who work in retail, you know, they have those cleanup packets of like, here, if you spill some Clorox, here's how you clean it up. Here's how you're supposed to deal with it. Who's, who, who do you call? Mm -hmm. So there's bins and stuff. And so he had contracts for that to like, we'll come pick it up and we'll make sure that it gets disposed of properly amongst other emergency responses. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that leads me to after going through all of my college career as a a video person and doing some work at this college um, came to my graduation year and I tried for a few months to, to find a local job, but being in the rural section of Jersey, there really wasn't much, available. Digital really wasn't taking off yet. So, you know, people didn't really need social media managers like that didn't exist yet. So Mm -hmm. I was in this gap of, well, you kind of have to go to New York city. (laughs) You're like too soon almost. (laughs) Yeah. By a few years. So either you went to New York city and tried to do the whole production thing, which I definitely have uh, a one year prior who was, um, the video club president before me still works for Fox news. Um, so much so that like I see his Facebook posts, you know, he's going to Thursday night football, he's on the steady cam, you know, and he'd be like, just take the selfie with uh, you know, this dude and this dude and this dude, you know. <laughs> so like I get the bi-weekly updates, you know, he's got a family and whatnot as mm-hmm. I keep up with him. But you know, I see that, you know, he's you know, he'll go out like during the whole election stuff. He's gone for, you know, a week or whatever. So, you know, he's put in the time there. And that's what it was. When he first started, he was just, you know, the typical intern get coffee you know, run some tapes here and there type deal. And I felt that I was a little too good for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unfortunately misguided uh, in that career path yeah. of, of that. I it's like the internship job taken.
1: where you, you have to do the, the, the job. Nobody wants to get recognition at least, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And I was, I was about an hour outside of New York city, so it wasn't exactly close Didn't have the funds to really kind of be like, yep, I'm going to move to the city. Then, Mm -hmm. because New York City, you know, much like any of the metropolitan, is going to be expensive. So, all the story about my father and my career led to me taking a few months um, as a uh, site associate helping with uh, roll off trucks. Basically, it was a pipeline cleanup in Michigan, Uh, there was an oil spill. And there was big trucks that had to transport dirt and waste and stuff, and so I mm-hmm. went out there and helped them plan out their routes. and just you know, obviously, you know, my father had that in because you know he needed assistance with that. So mm-hmm. they were just like, "Hey, my son needs a job. Um, you know, you could pay us a little bit more, and he'll he'll take this." And so um, I had a taste of that level and involvement, and could see how how much involved any sort of you know big oil spill, you know, you know the mm-hmm. Gulf oil spills or the pipeline spills or anything else, you know, you could just say, oh, they're going to clean it up. It's like, well, really is, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 different, you know, minor contractor companies that are trying to go through and send, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 boats with, you know, a hundred guys. And how do you coordinate all that to go within wow. federal regulations? And so there's like, it's a little bit more of, it's not just like. The logistics then, nightmare sounds awful. Yeah. It's not just like, <laughs> yep, here we got, we got a couple hundred guys over here. Let's go go clean it up. It's not really, it's actually a bunch of subcontractors out. It was mm-hmm. uh, really interesting. Eventually they kind of slowly build it up and they kind of create little localized ones that kind of take it on part lot time. So it's, it is very interesting from a logistical standpoint, how you have a disaster and you have to have somebody you have a bunch of big guys come into the room and being like all right i got you know i've got 10 contractor crews i've got five contractor crews and how do you like talk with each other to take you know the federal regulations and do it properly so it was definitely interesting but all of that definitely led to me getting a little bit of a boost in my own funds and throughout all the whole process for a few months i was applying to some different jobs throughout New Jersey, uh, and when I was taking my physical tests, because you have to be you know, physically ready for them, uh, I came across an area over closer to the city that had a had a studio that did home movie transfers, but they also did a little bit of editing. And at the time, he didn't; he was a little smaller. It was out of his home, mm-hmm. and it was him. One, two other people. Uh, so it was. He was been. He had been in business for a couple of years. So it wasn't just like, "Hey, I'm just this guy starting a business." He actually had been in business for a few years, mostly doing the transfer stuff, and he was starting to get into the production level. And eventually, a few months go down the road, and this is back in 2012. He, uh, nope, it have been sooner than that. Sorry, I'm mixing things up. 2010. He eventually calls me up and just says hey uh, I've got a I've got a four camera shoot for a belly dancing show and I need another camera person are you available you know this weekend mm-hmm. you know X weekend and I was like yeah sure that sounds cool so I went on camera and you know he had set it up and I talked to him about it and he's like okay cool so he had done the show in the past but it had only done like just sitting up on my tripod and just press record and then you know he kind of manned the other one yeah but he's like oh if I've got Extra bodies, I actually can get somebody who can kind of go around, get some close ups, do some roaming, you know, I can, and I can, you know, blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. it it's actually turned into
1: shooting, basically. It turned
0: into more of a production rather than just, I'm going to set some stuff on tripods and get what I get.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I went there, and it started off by just a couple hours every week coming in. Like, oh, hey, can you just, you know, edit this little 30 second commercial here? Or, hey, I've got this little Better Business Bureau, you know, local chamber of commerce thing. Can we go film them and do some interviews? And so it slowly evolved over the years. And what I had spoken before was 2012 was when he finally made me full time. Um, and then... Few months later, he decided there was a space in like the main boulevard area of the town that was you know, a little bit more urban area. Um, to purchase or rent, I forget what it was, but he converted it into a bigger, uh, you know, a studio space. Most of the stuff that he had done was back offices of his home upstairs. You know, he had some lights. It was like a you know finished attic type deal that he was able to shoot some you know green screen mini green screen stuff for for clients, but any sort of large studio space or transfer work really, you know, needed that that jump. I guess he had been kind of planning it and decided, you know what, we're gonna do it. So had a couple more employees at the time, uh, and I ended up continuing to work for him for oh till twenty fifteen. So a total of five years, if I remember correctly. So wow,
1: that's a pretty long time.
0: It was a it was a pretty long time. Um, definitely learned some stuff, which I could have learned a little bit more uh i i know a lot of the camera work i know a lot of the digital editing side mm-hmm. what i didn't know was the uh after effects side uh okay. when i was in when i was in school i kind of had a group of group of guys that we all edited stuff one was more of the writer one was more of sound one was more of after effects and then there was myself who did a little bit more of the camera and editing um aspects. We, all of us combined, we're a really good production team, but I never worried about learning that stuff. And I feel like now I, I know a very, I understand it conceptually, but being able to like sit down in front of After Effects, be like, all right, how do I make this lightsaber work? Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, under, I understand it's rotoscoping. You have to track the object. You have to create different layers of light and sound, and you know, motion blur and blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. So it's all. I mean, that's very basic. You can out. That's it a very out. basic theoretical understanding of <laughs> yeah. it. So, I, uh, I eventually continued working there. By that time, I had uh, married my wife who we met in high school and continued to date through, through college for, you know, on and off, you know, we kind of won't, but we don't know what we went our different ways, but we're still really good friends. Like we never really had that massive breakup type deal, but we just were like, you know what? I'm going to focus on school. You're going to focus on school kind of date. Not really sort of deal. Um, So after college, we like actually got back together, moved in together. And, uh, at the time that we got married in 2014 was my sister enlisted in the Marines. And so a combination of other personal reasons, um, we were just like, you know, like, should we, we should, we should just kind of get married at this point. Right. We've been together for like eight years, (laughs) whatever it was (laughs) at the time, uh, at the time Jersey did get rid of common law. So you couldn't like kind of get that sort of tax damage type deal off. So okay. marriage marriage for us was, we'd always just been together for so long. And even like we lived together for a, for a few years, guys. we were just like, eh, whatever. Like yeah. we don't need to spend money on these lavish ceremonies. We kind of discussed, we weren't really going to do the kid thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were just like, yeah, we're together. Like didn't, it didn't Sounds mean like you guys are
1: just all on your same, all on the same page. As, right as you should be when those situations
0: and, and that's what it came down to we were on the same page and and she had brought it up and just said hey look i said my you know she had said her dad went through uh, a heart surgery uh, my sister was leaving for basic training and whatever her you know co- not college oh my god um <laughs> her military career would mm-hmm. bring her it was uh she was just like, we should, we should, you know, let's just, let's just do that. We'll just do a small ceremony or whatever. Originally, we were just like, you know, let's just go get eloped or whatever. And she went, you know what? My family probably wouldn't like, they probably want to be there a little bit. So she's like, I don't want the big wedding thing. And I'm like, I don't either. So we literally called up her father. It was, let's say, a month or two after his surgery. Mm-hmm. And we we're just like, so. Brian's sister enlisted. She's leaving in a month. We're gonna have our wedding ceremony in two weeks, <laughs> and they're like, "What? Yeah, like yeah, we're engaged. We're having a wedding ceremony. Can we use your house?" And it's like he's like, "What?" <laughs> so we literally just planned it out. We literally were like like before we called them, we kind of just yeah. sat down. and Was like, "All right, this is the food we want. This is where we're gonna rent some chairs and tables. Okay, we can put napkins and stuff." And I have photos of them. And it's like mm-hmm. we literally just c- we catered. Built, designed, and then ran our own wedding. Talked to the local uh, person who had like married her other siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just like, hey, could you just do this? Like, we just kind of planned it down. We're just like, all right, it's like three grand. It's like, what you know, a very easy
1: mm-hmm.
0: number. We're just like, all right, here's what we need. It was like, all right, food comes down to about a thousand. Booze would be like a couple hundred. Renting this is a couple hundred. This 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 this. this, blah, 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 Done. All right, cool, easy, and then we just did it. Wow. Like, That's probably the simplest was, wedding
1: I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: it it was, but it worked for us. She yeah. had her cause her family was of, she's one of six kids. Oh. Her extended, her extended family didn't, wasn't really in the picture. And I have a couple aunts and uncles and cousins. Like in total, let's just say it's the, let's just say it's 25 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she had, at the time, I had nieces and nephews and, and their significant others. And so like between the two of us and me had a couple of close friends between the two of us came, let's just say 40 people, maybe 50 at, yeah. at most, but yeah. probably 40 people. It was like four or five tables we just rented and just did that. And so we had, we had the, her family table, the friend's table, the other friend's table, and then my family table, and then just had food and just like, all right, cool. Here's what it is. Simple just what it was like, just had the, had the papers already it wasn't going to be a religious thing. We're not religious. So like Mm -hmm. from a practical standpoint, we're just like, this makes sense. We could still include, you know, friends and family. We're not going to do the, Oh, maid of honor, this bridesmaid that like her family has that. Um, my two siblings haven't done that yet. Um, but the, you know, on her side, she's been a part of that. And we're just like, you know, we that's not what, that's not for us. Mm -hmm. So, We've, we've always been practical with most of our decisions. And, you know, back when she convinced me to <laughs> <laughs> draw, drop the the lawyer thing, it was a practical decision. It was like, hey, look, you enjoyed doing this. Why would you not do something for your life that you enjoy? So from early on, her decisions, not her decisions, but her reasoning was always based around a logical understanding I felt that mine always should have been that way and, and listened to that opinion. And mm-hmm. we just kind of meshed and it's been basically 2005. We would have been together, did the junior senior prom thing together and then all of college then got married in 2014. And it's 2019 now. So 14 years of together, you yeah. know, <laughs> five of that through marriage, you know, it's, you just kind of, you know, have the benefit of just knowing what that person's going to bring to you and mm-hmm. understanding what that is. So, that being said, they can still surprise you. <laughs> and <laughs> that uh, being that she had a, uh, I guess you could call it a dream. Okay, uh, it was something she had harbored was uh, her idea of enlisting in the military as well. Okay, um, her father. So my father-in-law was a, uh, naval combat medic. He was, uh, deployed with a bunch of Marines as their, you know, medical officer or well, medical person. He mm-hmm. wasn't an officer, but he was enlisted. He did that for a few years and never really talked about it. it wasn't during wartime. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, did, it was just like, yep, I did that sort of deal. Um, and apparently whatever story she had listened to, uh, and her reasonings growing up, um, A few years ago, her mother had passed away, and uh, she decided, you know what? There's there's a couple things that I never really got to do and talk to my mother about, and this was one of them. Sucks that doing it now, but she was like, I'm going to join the military. I was like, Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't going to talk her out of it. I just wow. Simply, I simply just said, Look, I'm like, here's my concerns. Obviously, being your husband, and I know we're not quote-unquote, at war, but things happen. So mm-hmm. I can be worried for you, and that's where most of my concern will be, is that, you know, worry for your safety. I know I know what kind of independent and strong-minded person she is. She went to NYU. Um, she has her master's uh, from there. So like... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, uh, I know what sort of level... I know what kind of person she is. And so mm-hmm. when she was just like, all right, you're going to do this. And I'm just like, okay, same, same sort of reaction I had when my sister told me that too. I was like, okay, you have your reasons. I will support you. I'm not going to be the one to be to like, Oh no, you shouldn't do that. Oh my God, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I would do this sort of thing. Like, no, like this is, yes, it's my decision as much as yours, but it really comes down to him. Like it's something you want to do. And I would not be a good partner if I, hindered that in any way. Mm-hmm. So much as you supported me in providing me with some guidance because I, I chose to listen to you. I mean, I obviously, I, she probably would have supported me if I said, you know what? No, I, I, as much as I enjoy doing the film thing, I think, you know, for future, I could do this. It will be financially stable, so on and so forth. Like there obviously were reasons on both sides that the decision could be sound for positive and negative and much with, with, the military career was that as well. So she enlisted, it would have been, she enlisted 20 17. Yeah. Two October, years ago. Uh, yeah. It was two years. It was October, October 2017. Um, she knew well early on into late 2016, 2017, where she told me of this decision. She had mm-hmm. been kind of running a little bit at the time. And done some pre-training. And so from, let's say, March uh, of 2017, I was actively involved in this. I was you know, I met her recruiter and talked to him about it. She decided to go with a, um, a medical career, which you could guess it. Decided that she wanted to take care of people that she could. That's um, what her father had done. So she opted for the radiology program that uh, the Army provides. Um, she scored w- high in all the um, ASVAB tests, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which you know they use to to judge your vocational yeah, aptitude. Like yep. So she scored well enough, high enough on those to to basically have her pick of of jobs, mm-hmm. uh, and she so she picked that one. And so they took her in for basic in October twenty seventeen. Uh, I went to I had knew this was coming, so I kind of switched gears to a more um more retail-based career because I knew that any sort of big box retailer or you know company like that could be relatively easily accessed from yeah. wherever wherever our career could take us. So at the time I was working at Advanced Auto Parts. I had a basic level of knowledge from working on cars and stuff when I was younger with my father, and just it was available in town, so on and so forth. Advanced is a you know national company. So pretty much you could find one or Simpler. An O'Reilly, something or similar in Autozone. yeah. <laughs> you can find it in Auto Parts retail store <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I actually was with them for quite some time. Uh, when she left, I moved in with one of my buddies uh, to Jersey City, where I had, uh, you know, transferred to one of theirs. once. was like a basically an assistant store manager there for a few months. Transferred to another one for another few months. So she went to Basic from October to December came home for the holiday uh, and then was going to spend the next year down in Texas for her radiology training down at Fort Sam Houston. It's where they do, it's actually a joint base between the air force, Navy and uh, army. And they train a lot of medical people there. It's the big kind of medical training one. So originally we thought that I was supposed to go down there with the recruiter. They're like, Oh yeah, you can go down there. Husbands and spouses and family, they go down there. It's true. It's true. Um, but we didn't know and have experience of people telling us was that, yeah, but she wouldn't be allowed off base until they get to a certain level of their training. Mm -hmm. Um, So of the six months, we'll just round it to a a solid three. They would still have to be in the barracks, do the whole daily soldier thing that way. And then if you were married and you got to the next phase, doing all the appropriate soldier things correctly, as well as your school, then you could be permitted to live off post with your family.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, at the time when we, you know, knew that in January when they first started, that uh, that could change in six in you know, yes, it's for a year, but it could change in six months because they actually have you do your your residency, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. uh, for the second six months somewhere else. So they could have been. Oh
1: wow, that's an interesting way yeah. of doing it.
0: Yeah, so they do your school portion the first six months and jam it down your throat. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's you do your for, to say the least, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I I, do, I I did my best to help make some flashcards, and we would sit there and try to study. And uh, when she would meet up with her her you know her unit and go over schooling and stuff, I would inadvertently chime in on certain things, and I'm like, wait, how do you know that? But like, oh, well, I was helping her study for five hours, so. I kind <laughs> know it by proxy um, <laughs> I, I to be honest now obviously I don't know all the stuff there's a lot of technical things that go into the radiology aspect right. I'm sure you can ask any medical professional um, the angles knowing the different bone structures, the different uh, intensities there's a lot of things that go into it but at least you know some of the form I was able to help her with so it uh, it was a it is it, it, she still is in uh, the mm-hmm. military obviously. I should be there for a few years, but it is a very interesting atmosphere for spouses. Um, you hear stories of obviously both men and women who are, who are active duty for all sorts of branches of the military. They have families, they have to move around you know, soldiers deploy to war zones, to not war zones, to secret missions, to just being in whatever area, you know, the people that, we went to Texas. We met some great people there. Uh, of the few that we still keep in touch with, one of them they're over in Korea at the base doing their thing. There's people in California at a base doing their thing. There's someone over in Germany doing the same thing. All the people that graduated with her at the same level, some younger than her, some starting a family. Um you know you know, 21 20 year old kids who well, I call them kids, but you know, young adults who've you know, get married and you know, are starting families that are being sent to you know, different places. Some are you know, a little bit more dangerous than others, yeah. You're
1: just all um, over the country, and
0: we're <laughs> we're here in upper New York State where it's freezing cold already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last year there was we. Got sent here after our, her year up in Texas was done. We got sent up here in, um, in late December, early January. And the early morning PT calls that they had, mm-hmm. it was just on the thermometer reading negative degrees. Holy crap. Plus the wind chill because we're oh close God. by the yeah. Great Lakes. Got easily to the negative 20s uh, at times. And me attempting to be a, a supportive husband was like, "All right, you get up for p t in the morning. i'll go I'll get up with you, and we only have one car, so I kind of had to anyway. but <laughs> but uh, I'll get up and you know, go to the gym while you do that." So I'd park the car by her her unit, and I would walk the mile to the the big big gym on base. And yeah, it was it was cold. it sucked. And so I'm just sitting there just like, you know, and- and you're not, they're, to mention they're out probably there doing
1: like four in the morning, something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Most of their PT starts mm-hmm. at five 30. Yeah. Uh, so that means you have, you have to be there before that. So it means you got to be up and driving and ready to go uh, before that. So mm-hmm. it's, um, there's a, there's definitely a level of understanding that obviously I can't say that I, I am a hundred percent with them on, uh, even right now she currently is out in the field.
1: Oh, wow. Okay
0: doing something for a few weeks yep. or no, but now it's just a week. But, um, in, you know, come January or February, they will be out. They call it mountain peak. They'll be out doing all sorts of, you know, mini missions and training mm-hmm. and foxhole and, you know, all the fun stuff that they'll do to prepare them for, for battle. I mean, this, the unit that they're up to, you can look it up It's you know, public information. It's a mm-hmm. uh, drum, but, uh, the 10th mountain division is the big, big division. And, um, their claim to fame was that in world war II, they were a group of skiers cross country skiers that just kind of put it together they crossed the italian uh, riva ridge mountain range uh, way the hell up there think like wow. alps more or less and they literally just trekked across to try to get behind enemy lines you know to bring supplies create roads and just you know etc but they basically hiked you know across these crazy cold temperatures to, you know, provide support to the soldiers on the Italian warfront, et cetera. So, um, they still hold that pride. Uh, they do a lot of outdoor stuff, uh, and it does get cold up here in the winter.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you can't uh, pick a better place to train for the cold weather acclimation.
0: <laughs> they weirdly enough, uh, you would think, Hey, where would you send people to go train for the, uh, cold weather, Alaska, right? You know? I wouldn't no, think New no. York. That's, that's, that's for sure. No, they 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 send the people who are deployed in Alaska to New York to train. Weird. Be- yep, <laughs> because of the wind chill and the mountain range that we get up here apparently, the, the the this is where you come to do cold weather training. Anyone who's thinking about going to crazy Russia or the, you know, Alaskan mm-hmm. whatever. Anything that they're doing for cold weather, you know, Wherever it may be, obviously there's southern ranges, you know, southern hemisphere yeah. that are also cold, but uh, no, they come up here. There, I've seen, I've seen marine groups come through. I've seen some Air Force guys come through. Wow. Um, that uh, they're like, "Yep, we're up here training because this is uh, this is where we need to did be." Did you
1: ever expect to be like this, connected to the military? <sighs> I
0: okay. did not expect it, but it did not surprise me. Okay. Uh, my let's see my paternal and maternal, mm-hmm. uh, grandfathers both, uh, served, uh, military. And then, uh, my paternal, that would be my great uncle, I guess, technically it's his, my paternal grandfather's brother. So I guess whatever uncle that makes him uncle wants removed, great uncle, whatever, Yeah, something like that. They, they both were on the naval side. Got it. My, uh, m- mother's father was on the army. So, I had heard stories. Uh, they weren't again. They were they were done in the early fifties. So again, it's post post World War, um, not quite Korean yet. Um, so it was a little bit of an lull, but not quite mm-hmm. type deal. It was like around <laughs> My, the cusp of it. It was right around there. So much so that apparently um, you can look it up <laughs> that um, the. VFW stands for Veteran of Foreign Wars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Apparently, they, they take that quite proudly and literally, so much so that my, my direct grandfather, like I said, my father's father, uh, served, and so his brother also served. The time difference between their two enlistments, one of them doesn't qualify. So, technically, oh, whatever yeah. wartime was happening, or doesn't that one of them? wouldn't be allowed into the VFW or American Legion. I forget which one, but one mm-hmm. of them takes it quote unquote seriously that like, nope, you had to be part of a war time. So it, uh, it's a, you know, they, they joke about it lightly, you know, you know, lightly now, but um, I mean, it it's never really, it wasn't fantasized. It wasn't uh, you know, brought up as a an ooh rah 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 type uh, were were military family like some people will proudly do. Um, but um, when, like I said, my sister enlisted in the Marines for her reasons, and then obviously my wife enlisted in the military for her reasons. Um, it didn't. It wasn't like what the heck? How did you decide this? You have no idea where this is coming from. You know
1: mm-hmm.
0: all the opportunities that are provided. Um, and you know, the experiences that I will, and she will be a part of, um, doesn't, like I said, it wasn't a surprise, but it didn't shock. So, uh, I'm doing the best I can to make benefit of the situation. I currently work for, so as I, as I said before, I was trying to do a, a retail aspect because of their ease of access to wherever, pardon me, wherever we may transfer to. But uh, I've currently switched to their on-post uh, provider called the Exchange. It's run by the bases, uh, somewhat supplied or supplemented by the government, and it is, for lack of a better word, a, a um, depending on the size of the base, a on-base on-base target a little bit less they hold the major brands like you can get any of the TVs and couches and chairs and some foodstuffs uh, mm-hmm. obviously they have what's called the commissary which is really like their supermarket got it but um, where i work is more of the the target the walmart esque you know widespread you can get clothes yeah. and shoes and things like that it's like your general store that,
1: you- that covers all the odds and ends you could ever ask for for the most part right
0: like i said it, it, it it's the easiest way to say it's like a target or walmart that's just on post yep. there's no taxes because that's just the benefit that they get to do. So the prices are a little bit better. Not much. Not like, oh my God, I'm getting you know, a $500 TV for $200. But that same $500 flat screen is going to be $500 you know, at Best Buy, but you're not paying taxes here. So that's you know, 50, 60 bucks you oh, might be saving. Oh,
1: wow. I didn't even think. I forget about the military discounts.
0: Yeah. So not even just the discount, just they both could be the same price. You're mm-hmm. just not paying taxes. So hey, you want to buy that new PlayStation? You can go to the GameStop right around the corner, but they're going to charge you seven and a half, eight percent on taxes. Yep. Guess what? That's thirty bucks right there. (laughs) That's a controller. That's a game right there. Yeah, right. It it sneaks up on you. So it does. (laughs) So all those little savings. I mean, you don't get the the wider variety. You may suffer a little bit in accessibility, but most of the current level, current style, any sort of new stuff. I mean, when new iPhones come out, Mm -hmm. you know, we had them. Basically, the next day, Uh, obviously, those types of things they account for in in the in the works. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they understand that that's possible. So I'm doing the best I can to make the most of my situation, trying to trying to better myself from a professional ass point as far as doing more managerial classes Mm -hmm. and learning things to improve my career potential. Kind of like as well as
1: MBA ish, but like not actually be in school.
0: Yeah, the that's exactly what I'm currently in. They call it a Retail Management Academy. It's a four month course that okay, they're going it. through and teaching us all these different things, how to deal with uh, the financials, the shipping, the warehouse, uh, all the different things that come to managing a, a store mm-hmm. of any sort of level, whether it be one of those smaller gas station type ones to the you know the current store that I'm in. Nice. So you know, that type of experience, if I continue in this career will certainly be directly beneficial because I'm within their system, Mm -hmm. but I can also then take that elsewhere and say, look, I've held assistant management positions here, 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 and here. Also, I worked for, you know, basically the government for now a year and also took their training. So that sort of level of uh, professional guidance and learning is, is what at least I'm trying to take out of this opportunity, you know, Alongside the military,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I would like to say <laughs> that I'm being successful on the physical aspect of <laughs> training, but I'm not as far as I would like to be. Right. My uh, my own self uh, push is not as strong. Uh, mm-hmm. That's always one of my own personal weaknesses is that that extra drive, and so that. But you did do like keto diet for a while. I remember when you got really uh, into that and things like that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, you know, that level of commitment, you know, was certainly spurned on by the people around me. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously my wife directly, you know, seeing the regimented training, the regimented learning, the, you know, everything that they go through. And I I knew, literally grew up alongside her. And so the personal self doubt of, I can never do that. I'm like, well, it's not, it's not for me. I'm like, I'm just, this, yeah. I'm just this guy. It's whatever. I'm just a little, I'm a nerd. I like star Wars. I do rodeos. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. So like, that I don't that do little, physical
1: things. What's that?
0: <laughs> so I did enjoy doing some physical things when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and it's still kind of do to an extent. I did. Well, I, I still do. I won't say kind of do. I still do. I uh, when I was back in Jersey before the military thing, I was part of a adult hockey league. Like that's.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's like
0: that's, your thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy hockey, watching it, and and got the opportunity to play it. Certainly not at the um, semi professional level that uh, there yeah. are out there, but it was a it was a beer league, and there was definitely some good people that definitely did it in. High school mm-hmm. it showed off their skills, but I was you know, a guy that knew how to skate from skating on the pond back when I was younger. Uh, I had rollerbladed, so that the self the the balance was there, very rooted. <laughs> I Had to dig it up, but you know, I was playing a little bit of street hockey amongst my driveway, you know, that sort of base level knowledge was there. I didn't have the technical team know how to play on ice per se, but I learned it uh, as best as I could. So I did have a little. Bit of a physical, and so getting that external push to better myself through that uh, regimented mm-hmm. sort of training was was something I was trying to be a part of. Again, trying to show my support, show my commitment, and and everything to that. Not only for my personal health, obviously, for my wife, for our relationship, but just you know everything that kind of goes with it. And and that's certainly what a a member of the military family who's not directly enlisted can take out of this. There certainly are opportunities both professionally, personally, um, then emotionally and physically throughout this. If you, the opportunities are there and that could be said for a lot of things, but the benefit Mm -hmm. certainly is probably awarded to me a little bit more than potentially others. I mean, I I, I
1: would say like when I, you know, just kind of being on the fly in the wall and obviously our, range of interactions is very very limited but just being able to be a part of some of it was always felt very committed I guess is the word I would use right now because of how you would always be like oh nope got to go to bed now instead of staying up a little bit later or you know after this like we got to go do x y or z you know because you're always being up to do like you were saying before like driving to pt in the morning or doing the diet thing like you were really i mean self-regimenting yourself which is i don't think that's super common for most people and then especially something that can be as intense as the military to be able to adapt as uh, on the fly with it and with all the moving on top of that it's kind of it goes to show the level of commitment that you have as a person and personal drive on at that end
0: yeah that definitely is true Um, I wish that I could kind of quantify that a bit more, but, uh, it definitely is, (laughs) it definitely is true. And, and with, like you said, our, our limited interaction. And I, I, ever since you first asked that with the introduction, I have been trying to rack my brain. I cannot pinpoint 100% when our online presence really started interacting. I can (sighs) kind of, I can kind of trace it back we have to think about so, which WoW
1: expansion we were playing. <laughs>
0: that's, that's kind of what it came down to. I was like, obviously, that's what it was. I mean, you know, that's... Because we were all playing... Back what it was.
1: We started playing World of Warcraft together as a raiding guild with another mutual friend of ours, who I know in, in real life, but now I don't even know how... Like, he fell out of the picture, and then all of a sudden, we just all picked each other up, basically, as, like, the extended friend group that played World of Warcraft together.
0: Yeah, that definitely is is another interesting aspect to I would say current current technological things. I mean, in their early two thousands and even the twenty tens per mm-hmm. se, the the idea of quote unquote meeting someone online, whether it be for a date, you know, the the original yeah, right. you know, okay, Cupid type thing. <laughs> yep. you know, blind dates were hey, I have a friend of a friend, you, I think they're kind of cool, you should meet them. Now it's Obviously now there's whole, all sorts of dating apps, but right. the, the early stigma of what's oh, online. How do you know who they are? are they they could be a murderer. Right. Like <laughs> that that slowly, you know, that's a and it's certainly a sign of our culture, which is a it's kind of melted I'm sure away. You, almost. I'm sure you've touched. On, <laughs> I'm sure you touched on with a different podcast that I haven't listened to yet. Um, but yeah, it's a, it definitely what it was. It was some some sort of. Guilt. I mean, I've always, uh, you know, as obviously being a film person, you tend to lean towards any sort of fantastical storytelling devices. Yep. And I, I know when I was younger, I always enjoyed uh, Star Wars still do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, my involvement with the availability of Star Wars resources led me into a lot of different things to eventually in college meeting Meaning, eventually, I did have uh, I was roommates with him for a little while. Um, <laughs> which, looking back, <laughs> here's as as I'm realizing all this. Yeah, I could tell you're thinking about it. And probably, <laughs> yeah. he he also enlisted in the military. Whoa, crazy! His uh, his family was was when I knew him. His he had brothers who were who were active duty as well. And so it's kind of it is interesting now to see how. Weirdly connected, I am to to quote unquote military family. Like, <laughs> I, like maybe that's kind of why you know you asked that I you know I was was it a, was it a shock for me? And then I guess I guess I want to say every few years I guess I knew someone. Even, I mean obviously everyone has people in high school that you know. There's people who disappear off the face of the earth. Right. There's the people who you kind of know of, and then there's a couple people who are you know enlisting, and then there's a couple people who are like, yep, there's that person who like went off to be a brain surgeon, like type deal. Yep. Um, so I guess through that slow exposure, like it wasn't anything massive, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess just realizing that. So anyway, so that friend, um, one of the, one of the nights that I just was like wandering around, knew him and passing by, you know, it was in a you know dorm room building and I passed by him and just chatting. Cause that's just who I am. Uh, he was talking about, Oh, I can't stay, blah, blah, blah. I got to do his rating. It was right when. Early wow was just starting right before the first expansion came out. I won't be too nerdy with all these different details, but we'll say that World of Warcraft was just starting to kind of come into its own and become more mainstream. And I said, like, let me I've heard about this. Let me come do you mind if I see? So <laughs> I literally just he's like, it's not gonna be he's like, for you it's probably gonna be boring, but sure. So I kinda I just hung out there. I was like typing up a paper and was like watching and listening to him talk to the all the different people he was playing with and again be, I can be nerdy with it but uh, we'll be general for now. But yes he you know had multiple people that he was playing with online and they were trying to achieve a goal playing the game. And you know I was like, oh this is interesting. I'm like what's the story? Because that's ha- how I hooked. And he was like, oh blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. There were real time strategy games. You know, StarCraft is kind of the other big one that people hear about, you know, building yeah, things and stream, stuff. And so that's probably the most before we
1: can say right now.
0: Correct. Um, World, of War- World of Warcraft stemmed from a StarCraft S game. Obviously, they're both the same company now, but you know we won't go into those details. Different so podcast. <laughs> regardless, there was a very expansive history, quote unquote, built to their lore. There were characters, yeah. there were stories, there was events. And it feels
1: very Lord of the Rings like. If for to be as yeah. n- non-descriptive oh. as possible.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of, I want to say the first, my understanding and what I felt like was, Hey, you know, Lord of the Rings and you know, it's the story of, of Frodo and the ring and everything else. So like, but what if you were Aragorn? What if you were one of, uh, the heroes in the story, the other <laughs> heroes, what if you were one of other, of those ones, you know, that's how i to be Frodo, but what if you were one of the other dudes? What if you were like Gandalf or something else, but like, <laughs> or in general, <laughs> Or you could go completely somewhere else and have your own story. And that's kind of what it. the idea was. You know mm-hmm. what? I could. I'm like there's things that happen. I'm going to be part of this story and I'm crafting this story. Obviously World of Warcraft.
1: Yeah. So people, <laughs> and the
0: best part is they, you can to play
1: with your friends, right? <laughs> right.
0: I mean there's multiple commercials in the what was it 2007, 2008? With the, the Mr.
1: Mignana. T. Do you hey, remember Mr. The T. Mr. T? I pitted the fool. The Night Elf
0: Mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> Miss uh, T, the night <laughs> help Maybe Miss T hacked the game put it in the <laughs> <I'll laughs> so, yes. help we are dating ourselves so hard right now. <laughs> you can go, kids. You can watch all these on YouTube right oh, now for sure. Uh, so I'll have links. <laughs> <laughs> links to the show notes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, somewhere a few. You know, I got I got into it. I love the story behind it. There was a lot of. A lot of written word, a lot of things in the mm-hmm. game that you could experience. And somewhere a few out down the line, yeah, like you said, there was, there was, I was playing another one of my eventual real life, well, actually, not eventually, started as a real life friend. Um, he was playing, and I started playing with him, and he was just online at some point and came across this random dude. And they just started hanging out in their voice chat for a while. And then, yeah, it was like, hey, you know, what? we can all get together and and do a raid and play together. And so, yeah, at some point, you and a few other people were just like, you know, Mike has been on
1: this podcast a couple times and a few other guys, we all just kind of formed this like squad of anywhere from like five to seven or eight people at different peak times. And somehow it just, kind of went from there i don't i really it's so strange to think about it now because it's just like Mm -hmm. yep we just play video games together and that's like kind of what we've always done and it's not even like a question as to anything really it just is what it is and it's like you develop these friendships from shared experiences you know like that's one of the things that i always found really really fascinating about like world of warcraft or at least playing it when i was younger it was like you have these 20, you know, at maximum you had like 25 people who you never met before and you're all at your own respective computers spread across the United States or, or further and you're achieving a goal. And the only thing that you know how to do is that you're all playing a specific role and it's simply healing, damaging, or uh, soaking damage, I guess is the way you'd say it. And that's really it. And somehow you accomplish things and it feels really, really rewarding. And, you know you don't have to like age doesn't matter what you look like doesn't matter. Like as long as you show up and you perform, it's like this thing and you develop friendship with people. And it's like some of the most exciting and I don't know what the other word, like I guess just rewarding again.
0: Rewarding (laughs) is is the accurate one. Yeah. Uh, Whenever I told people about that too, you know, the best way I could describe it, like you said, you know, that you have different roles to fill and, and yeah, it's, literally like trying to get a bunch of people who have never really met before with an idea that you're trying to complete a puzzle.
1: Yeah, that's and, a, yeah, it's a three-dimensional puzzle and, and <laughs> don't die. <laughs> yep,
0: it's a it's a three-dimensional puzzle and you've got one group who's dealing with all of the corner pieces and you've got <laughs> the other people who are dealing with all the middle pieces and you've got some and you have other people who are like, you know what, uh, this has to be blue over here, this one has to be red <laughs> over here, and this one has to be green <laughs> over here and... Yeah. and through your somehow coordination of doing all of that together all at the same time within, you know, a few moments of time, when you finally can flip that hourglass over and complete it before the hourglass ticks out, you get that sense of reward and accomplishment. And that is what, you know, most games accomplish. You know, yeah. you can think about that from any aspect of, of a game. Any you know, cooperative be, thing. Yeah, any, you can go to any sort of sports one. If it, You know, you could take... Any popular sports, you know, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, etc. The goal is to have a group of people accomplish a thing within a set period of time. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's to score in some manner of point keeping. You can then break it down to chess. Your goal, I mean, obviously, you're one on one, but you know, the goal is to complete an objective, which is in an, in a certain amount of time, yep. and that's what most video games offer. You know, whether it be a shooter game or, in this case, you know, a, a A role playing game you had a role you had a role and your timer was presented to you and if you can can get all these people together part of this shared experience and have fun doing it yes Mm -hmm. it can be frustrating because you have to rely on other people at times (laughs) but that is you know what always is interesting about uh you know, any sort of internet-based community. Well, that's the,
1: that I think that's the most interesting part of it is we don't have to be physically present in each other's spaces, you know? Absolutely. And, like, I mean, right now, we're recording this halfway across the United States, basically. <laughs> I am mean, mm-hmm. here in the Midwest, and you're on, you know, the East Coast. It's crazy to think about, you know, and how even though, like I said, we, we have this very limited interaction space, it feels no different than if I sat down with any of my other friends even though we've never actually like sat across from each other face to face.
0: 100%. I mean, that's <laughs> what, uh, that is certainly what the, you know, societal dynamic has provided us with this, this current age is that, you know, um, relationships were formed by proximity. Mm-hmm. In this case, in the past, proximity was where you were geographically. Oh my God. And it social-
1: That's it, like, Full circle with what you were saying in the beginning.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, In the past, it was in relation to to geographical, but in this case, it's shared experience. And Mm -hmm. in this in this point of shared experience, it happens to be in a you know computer computer based. Game that we have shared that experience together, and Mm -hmm. through those successes, through those failures, through those you know times, yeah, yeah, we're we're able to uh, you know forge the relationship, and you know there are many stories of people, including ours, that are able to continue that sort of relationship through uh, personal interaction and and go so yeah you know, we're able to just do this and it is it is certainly a fascinating thing that we're able to accomplish in this age
1: yeah and i and i think i try to do this i like i really try to do this justice a lot of times because i i do tend to shit talk social media a lot um at least on the like instagram facebook that version of social media and I, and then sometimes I have to check myself and realize that how much of what I do with this podcast is because of people that I've been able to meet through online forums, such as, such as what we're doing right now. And the, that's like the other end of the spectrum, right. Of like the positive aspects of what social media can provide, right. Because discord or Twitch is still cons- in many ways, still is social media, just a different version of it than what we generally tend to think. And, um, yeah, I, mean, I just think it's super important. And I I think for this episode, we'll probably start wrapping it up here a bit. But because I think this is like a perfect segue into a round two at a future date where we get a little bit deeper into some of the gaming stuff. And I think we could wrap in a few other people for that one and we can kind of get meta on it, um, which I think would be really cool.
0: Hmm. I know, uh, 100%. And that is definitely where you can wrap into it is that all of this personal interaction is about building some sense of relationship Mm -hmm. and that is what you know luckily as you said before you're part of fly on the wall yeah (laughs) much (laughs) more more than that but you know your fly on the wall aspect of the relationship that we have through personal experience Mm -hmm. you know i i and part of now a military life that's going to change yep. and you have your personal life that's going to change and all, you know, the relationships that we have across, you know, our lives are, are built on different things. You know, there are people that we've had high school, you know, younger, you've got family relationships, yep. you've got, uh, not, uh, you know, high, you've got school, you've got work, you've got all sorts of different relationships that are built on some shared experience, whether like we said, it's familial or work or anything else. Those mm-hmm. those shared experiences are what build the relationship. Ours happens to be built on the first experience through the digital forum, Yeah. but we've been able to nurture that through the tools that are available to us uh, in this day and age through video, through audio, through text chat that uh, Discord has now provided. But there yeah. are multiple forums that allow relationships to continue and exist in a greater form
1: yeah and i I think it's also worth noting too is like just for closing remark kind of is even though sure that we we do this as a leisurely thing to like communicate with each other we still wind up having a lot deeper conversations about you know what we're dealing with on a like weekly or monthly basis because we're we're i would say that at least at some points there's probably weeks where we were probably interacting with each other almost every day or at least you know a better part of you know 50% of the week right where we were spending a couple hours together playing video games you know so it winds up kind of being like a crapshoot with your friends where you're just like instead of going and bullshitting at the bar you're going and bullshitting playing video games (laughs) so it's fascinating to me to think about how you know how much psychology or you know stress gets released in multiple aspects just by you know the act of playing a video game in quotation marks there.
0: Oh yeah, stress relief as whatever form it may take is certainly beneficial for a, any sort of physical and mental health, and mm-hmm. definitely things that we can explore in any sort of future discussion. That's uh, just where I kind of looped it back into. I know it was a yeah. much more meaty biographical <laughs> section. To no, that's get totally to fine. That point, <laughs> but uh, it certainly allowed for a baseline of, of who you are, uh, you know, where, you're, where you're coming from <laughs> and allowing um, a, a frame to be built of yeah. how this, how this relationship can be produced mm-hmm. going forward.
1: So with that, I would, I would probably, I think the best way to end this conversation was now that someone can kind of look at the trajectory of your life over the last, I believe you're in your early thirties. I don't want to say mm-hmm. a number and
0: and yep
1: no, that's fine. <laughs> be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: not averse to it. I'm 32. Okay, um, I thought I thought yes. so. I was a
1: close to that number at least. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, for someone who's either in college or any or maybe entering or leaving college, you know, going to be the first time real world, right? And, you know, people can definitely look at their trajectory and say, "Hey, you're not supposed to have it all figured out by the time you're 21 or 22." Um, um, anything you would, you know, just sound advice or thing they should ignore because. It's one of yes. those things in this modern world where we it feels like everyone should have it figured out.
0: Yeah, that um, is certainly a discussion that I am prepared to and have had them partial uh, times already, is that based on my story of very quickly just going through young adolescence and high school, having a plan in mind and having the ability to look at that. From taking a step back, I had external assistance who then guided me a little bit further, but going through your adult and then, you know, early adult. And now for myself, early to middle adult life, Mm -hmm. that there is not, there certainly is not one path for everyone. There may be one path for some, Mm -hmm. but there is nothing wrong with adjusting path. I, I was a firm, I was a firm believer that the statistic of you change your major three to four times on average Um, back in the early 2000s. I thought that was stupid. I thought there was no way that's possible. And here I am, certainly one who changed it once, more or less twice. Um, I know multiple friends who are, and then I know that that don't. And then, then there are some that do. But the one advice that I can certainly give is that everyone's experience is their own. And you make what you can of it and you shape it how you want to.
1: Awesome. I don't think there's any better way to end that conversation on that note. Thank you so much for being as open and authentic about where you come from. And for me, this is honestly pretty special to be able to get to know you a little bit more in a context that I haven't, you know, normally doesn't come up, you know, in just normal conversation. So I really appreciate it. And I, you know, taking the time to do this with me.
0: Not a problem. I appreciate you being able to do this and <laughs> giving me the opportunity to speak. I certainly can do this <laughs> in much more long form and try yeah, to keep it yeah. as on point as I could. But, uh, thank <laughs> was, you for great. having me.
1: Awesome. Sweet. And that's it for everybody. Till next time. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.